This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think I'm perfect because just my ability to affect both sides of the ball and my ability to knock down shots and affect winning at such an early, early age and early part of my game. So I feel like that's why I'm the number one pick. Uh, I'm not trying to be any one player. I'm trying to be like the first me. So, uh, and you know, I'm like a basketball junkie. So I watch a lot of basketball. And if I see somebody doing something that I think I can put in my game and uh, be effective with, that's that's what I try to do. So I try to take different things from different players uh, on both ends of the floor um, and just try and add it to my game to you know create the best chip. All right, Vincent Goodwill. Uh, we are a couple of hours away from the draft, and a lot's happened in the last 18 hours or so. That headline is dated. So, Van <laughs> Carroll was the he was the favorite, was the betting favorite to go to number one, even though everybody expects Jabari Smith out of Auburn to go one to Orlando, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga to go number two to OKC, and uh, and Paolo Van Carroll out of Duke to go number three to Houston. There was, you know, some buzz about him going number one uh, in terms of the betting odds, but Woj and others have squashed that. The consensus seems to be that it is, in fact, going to be Smith, Holmgren, Bancaro, one, two, three, to Orlando, Houston, Orlando, OKC, and Houston in that order. So listen, man, you know I'm a draft nerd. Like, I'll draft anything. Players, food, songs, movies, whatever, okay? So I'm hype. I'm hype for the draft. Let me nerd out to your notebook. What do you know about what to expect and whether or not the draft actually really starts at four with Sacramento? And just what are you hearing about these players, man? I want to know who's cold-blooded. I want to know who's transcendent because I liked all three of these guys in college. Van Carroll is my favorite. I know he's not great defensively. He's my favorite in college of the three players. Um, But, I mean... How do they project at the NBA level according to your uh, your amazing sources throughout the league? Dan Carroll's the one that scares me. And I've had to be yeah. talked off the ledge by people who know better, right? Like, you ever walk into a, a situation, you're like, man, I don't know about this kid. I don't know if he's really that good. And then your your sources, your scouts, your executives tell you, yeah, you tripping. You know what I mean? And you yeah. have to change yeah. your opinion or yeah. or you hold firm to it and then tell them that they're wrong six months later. Like, that's where I am <laughs> on Paulo Banquero right now. Okay. I, I, I'm so, here's my thing. His game is too sophisticated for a college player. You know what I mean? Like, you should be getting by off of some raw talent, blowing by dudes off of some physical ability. So, basically, you can refine your game when you get to the league. But if your game is already refined, now how much room do you have left to grow the people who really like him tell me Vinny here's what you're missing you're missing the fact that the floor is going to open up he's a better playmaker than you think he's a better passer than you think no he's not an exceptional athlete but he was playing in a phone booth in college and the floor is going to accentuate all of his talent all right cool I'll take that what I've heard is that he won't get past number three like let's say all the stuff that came out over the past 24 hours. Let's let's take Woj's thing out of it, right? Okay. Let's take Woj's report out of it. Let's say he could go one or two. He's not getting past three, right? Gotcha. Could, could, could Chet go two? If Chet doesn't go to Oklahoma City, which I think he will, but if he doesn't go to two, do you think the Sacramento Kings are prepared to draft him? Do you think that they've truly done all of their homework with the, with the way that we know the Sacramento Kings to kick Right? Do you think that they've known everything that there is to know about a guy who could conceivably fall? I don't know about that. Jabari Smith, I like him. My question is, what do you do inside 20 feet? You know what I mean? From a, Not from an athletic standpoint, just from a skill standpoint. So I like the fact that he can shoot it. I like the fact that he is an athlete. I wonder what you do inside of that spot if you can't get all the way to the rim and you're not shooting from 23 feet. Like, those are just general questions. I... Michael Smith really liked yeah. Chet. I think he could Chet be transcendent. 
Yeah. I, I like that kid. I do. Yeah. You, I, I, I like him a lot, man. Yeah. And here's my thing. If you are Oklahoma City or Orlando or Sacramento or Houston, this is the spot to swing for the fences. Like, scared money don't make money. If he winds up not being what you think he is, all right, so be it. You're going to be here next year anyway, but you might as yeah. well swing for success as opposed to swing and safe, which is what Orlando has basically done for the past three or four drafts with, you know, the Franz Wagners and the Mo Bambas, guys like, like solid players, Jalen Suggs, really solid players. You add another solid player, but I don't know if that's going to help you elevate yourself in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So among these three, let's just, fo just focus in on those top three. Just focus okay. on Smith, Holmgren, and Van Carroll. The superstar for you, the one that has the most superstar potential is Holmgren. Um, yes. I, do, I like Smith. I like, but I, but I like your logic about Holmgren too. And I, and I love them in college. I love his rim protection. But when I look at players, and this is beyond across sports, whether it's football or, or basketball, I prefer to look at players through the prism of don't, don't tell me about things that they can be coached or weren't coached to do as a case may be. Don't tell me about things that they can be taught or things that they can learn at the next level. What are, what are just the raw tools that they possess? The athleticism, mm -hmm. the things that you can't teach. So in the case of a Chet Holmgren, you can't teach seven feet with a seven six wing sprint span that protects the rim the way that he does. He can put on weight. He can add muscle. I'm not we're not sure about how much, but he can be strong. He can get stronger at the next level. We know he can pass it. We know he can shoot it. So I'm with you on Holmgren. And I think but I think he, I would love his his fit in OKC. I would absolutely love his fit with OKC alongside Giddy and uh and, and Gildas Alexander. Shay. Yep. My my question, I think the questions that people had for Shay and I had asked my Shay for for Chet were things I had answers for. And they would say, you know, you know what? He's so small that he's going to get beaten up on the inside. That's fine. I'm going to play don't, him don't at play three him anyway. inside. <laughs> exactly. I'm going, I'm going. I'm going to play him at three. I'm going to play him on the yeah. wings and in space. So as a help side defender, you can use that length to come and block shots. Yeah, someone's going to stick their elbow in his chest every now and again. But if you're playing him at four, he's going to be buried underneath the rim. I'm going to work with what he can do and don't and not to worry about what he can't do, like you said. Like exactly. my thing about college basketball is this. It is so hard to project. I don't know about it. It's like this for you, especially in college football. But I feel like in college basketball, coaches have such a stranglehold on the control of a game. And I don't know if they're necessarily great teachers of the game, like teaching players how to think, teaching players how to read and react. It's really hard to project how a player is going to go in an NBA situation considering the game is so different in the NBA than it is in college basketball. That's why I feel like a top five in the NBA is so harder to project than maybe a top yeah. five in the NFL. Well, one of my all-time favorite quotes, and I know what you're saying doesn't apply to this man, rest in peace, one of the greatest teachers in the game's history, Dean Smith. But one of my favorite quotes is the only person that could hold Michael Jordan under 20 in college was Dean Smith. So sometimes it's just like, you know, what are you being asked to do? What are you not being asked to do? What kind of system and constraints are you playing in in a sport where it very much is a coach's sport on a college level, but a player's sport on a professional level? So no, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I mean, I, I wish there were a little more intrigue and who knows, maybe there's still some surprises, you know, uh, legitimate reporting, incredible reporting, notwithstanding. I kind of hate that it starts with Sacramento. You know, you referenced them a second ago. <laughs> it's like the intrigue got to start with Sacramento. They're really about to draft another guard. They're, I mean, let's, you know, Jay Nivey is no. nice and all that, but like they, they're, they're not, not? going to draft another guard. Okay. They're not They're not drafting Jay Nivey. They're trading that pick. I'm 95% oh, right. sure that they're going to trade that pick to the highest bidder. So that now team we can get Jaden Ivey. You already got Davion okay. Mitchell. You got De'Aaron Fox. Like, you right. have a glut of trade guards already. And you traded yeah. Halliburton. Like, you're going to get another guard so you can trade him? Like, that doesn't make seem to make to me a whole lot of sense. And if you have a vet, it, it doesn't D make sense. But it, but in that, in that Sacramento, though? <laughs> that, that is the ethos of the Sacramento Kings. That's why we say that the NBA, the draft, is the Sacramento Kings invitation. You know what I mean? Like, we know that they're going to be here come hell or high water. And, yeah, put it like this. You remember that one year in the NFL where Johnny Manziel was up and everybody wanted the Cowboys to take him? 
just for like I anarchy's remember. sake. Remember that? Oh, oh, like, yeah. like do it, Jerry. Do it. Do it. Yeah. That's what I feel yeah. like we're kind of going to be at number four if Sacramento still has this pick. Like, do it, Vivek. You know you want to. Play four guards. Play five on four. <laughs> and just leave somebody on the other end of the floor. Like, I'm rooting for anarchy, even though the yeah. team in my region has the pick next, and Jaden Ivey would probably be a perfect Detroit pitch. Oh, we're gonna talk about that in a second, but you know I'm an agent of chaos myself. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into what Detroit and on a related note, what Portland is gonna do with picks five and seven. So I've been on four teams in eight years, um, and every team, not only every team, I have a different role, but every season, from every season, uh, my role changes. So. Uh, I would say the only constant is is change, uh, especially in my life and and, uh, and you know all the experience that I have. So, uh, you know, seeing seeing uh, my name on a bunch of different teams and stuff, it doesn't you know it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, like whatever is supposed to happen will. So I'm kind of like I just you know stay uh, as calm as I can, as collected as I can, and uh, kind of just take it as it goes. So that was Jeremy Grant with us back on May 20th when he was still a member of the Detroit Pistons. He is now a member of the Portland Trail Blazers. Kurt Healing for Pro Basketball Talk is now a part of this conversation. So look, before we get to the draft and what the, the Blazers, well, we'll get to the Blazers pick first, but what the Pistons will now do, not just in the draft and free agency, now that they've moved Jeremy Grant, let's start with what the Blazers are doing around Damian Lillard. Uh, they were able to hold on uh, to their draft pick, their seventh pick, um, and still get Jeremy Grant. We'll see what they do with the pick. Maybe they flip it for more veteran help. Um, but start with you, Kurt. Like, are we getting close to being able to dead the Dame departure storyline that we've had going for so many years? No, no, because whatever they do, whatever they do, and by the way, Jeremy Grant's a nice pickup. This will give them the money to keep heart. Um, I expect, I'd, I'd be curious if Vince has heard the same thing. They're going to move seven for a player, more likely to move seven for a player who can help them now than pick, yeah. you know, whoever's whoever they got right there that they've got to wait a couple years to develop. All of that will make them kind of an interesting team in a ridiculously deep West. And like, how long is Grant happy if he's still the third option? How long is Lillard happy if they're not really seriously in contention and they're fighting to stay out of the play and does he want out then? So I don't think that storyline dies. I think it just changes. I think in a couple of years, we're still discussing, well, maybe not a couple of years, maybe by next summer, Lillard does force his way out, but we'll see. I, I, I don't see this team, look, they have done as good a job, I think, as you can do of rebuilding on the fly. And it's still, they're not great. Mm-hmm. Vinny, what you think? Man, I, I tend to I tend to agree in a way that the talk won't stop because everybody wants Dame in a different jersey for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> you know, we complain about player movement, and then when a guy chooses to stay, we complain about that too. We don't know what the hell we want. Like, put it like this: I'm not sure the West is as ridiculously deep as you think it is, Kurt. Like, everybody has question marks. What's Utah going to look like yeah. next year? What's Denver going to look like next year? The Lakers, what are they going to look like? The Phoenix Suns, they're they're prepped to lose an arguably pretty big piece. So if you're Portland, you're looking at it like, hey, there's maybe some opportunity for us to climb up the ladder a bit. And if you're Dame Lillard, you're like, man, I just saw Stephen Curry's team go from winning 15 games to winning a ring. Why can't that mm. be me? Uh, he, he thinks that is him. I mean, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't believe yeah. he takes a backseat to Steph Curry anyway. Curry, you referenced a second ago that you feel, you know, pretty strongly that instead of taking, you know, a, a shade and sharp type at the seventh pick that Portland moves that for somebody that can help them immediately. Any idea who that could be? Or, or even if, if you're not well, necessarily hearing a rumor, who's a fit for them along with Hart and Grant and Simons and so on and so forth? Well, the talk has been OG Ananobi, who... Okay. I've heard there's. I heard it's not going to be easy to get him out of Toronto because well, he's good, man. Like I don't want to give him. I wouldn't want yeah. to give him up for nothing either. But the number seven pick and you know a future pick or whatever else they 
whatever else they've got to throw in to kind of make that all work might be an interesting combo. And then, by the way, your defense looks pretty good, which has always been an issue with those Portland teams. But if you have Nurkic in the middle and Grant and Ananobi on the wing, you can you can hide Damian Lillard a little bit. Like it suddenly works. And all this, by the way, is predicated. I I I get where I get where you're coming from, Vidi. But like, does it come back to the? We really genuinely need peak Damian Lillard back. Like the Lillard mm. who comes back has got to be. He can't have lost a step. He's still got to be fifth on the MVP ballot or better Damian Lillard. What should they do with oh, seven? Yeah. Who should they be getting with seven, Vinny? No, I, you know what? The funny thing is, I don't think I don't think they've gotten seven to keep it. Like, I legit think that with Chauncey Billups there as coach and Joe Cronin and that, that crew, that first that crew that they got in the front office with Dame Lillard, like what what's the what's the phrase that I hate, Michael Smith? We ain't getting no younger. We might as well do this. That is <laughs> Sorry, their that song ego. Hard. Right now, that's all. Hey, hey, you know what, Kurt? Hold, hold hold on, Vinny. Hold your th- hold your thought. Hold that thought, Kurt. I need you to redeem yourself for your awful diet coke is better than regular <laughs> coke take yesterday. Okay, settle this right now, Kurt Healing. Uh, what's the what's the name of the song? I, I, mean, I just let's grew get up married. Right. What's the name? Let, yeah, let's, let's get, get married. married. The, 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 we ain't getting no younger. We, meet me at the altar in your white dress. We ain't getting no younger. We might as well do it, okay? Like, would you please tell Vince at Goodwill that that song is romantic as hell? How does that sound romantic to you? <laughs> it's practical. I with Vinny on this one. That's, that's, settling isn't romantic. Where, where, where you been, man? It's not settling. <laughs> it's not settling. It's direct. It's like, I mean, so how many people want to hear that? How many people right now in relationships are saying, please, somebody say, we ain't getting no younger, we might as well do it, as somebody opposed to what, a, wasting my time? Somebody in a substandard relationship. That's who. That's who's <laughs> yeah. hoping and praying for that. Somebody who should Except probably fine. get the hell out and find somebody that really loves I will put Not- off a jagged edge. I will put off a jagged edge since you two won't. <laughs> you 0 for 2, Kurt. Vinny, what were you saying? Go back to Portland. <laughs> they ain't getting no younger. They might as well do it. So, what, what was your point in bringing up Jagged Edge? Who are you trying to say? My 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 point is, even if it's not OG, you can see the skeletons of what they're trying to do. Think about what Boston did. Boston had two scores and a bunch of guys defending around those two scores. A to create a culture and B to kind of hide them. Now, that's not to say that Dame is Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, like there's height differences and everything else, and there's no time lord there. But I do think that Boston created a formula for a team like Portland is going to say, you know what, let's get size around this small guard. Let's hope that he comes back and he's healthy. And even if we don't get OG, we're going to get another swingman forward that we can play interchangeably with Jeremy Grant and a guy who can also score 15 a night, at least. 15 a night. I see what they're doing. All right, so y'all calling two tra- at least two trades in the top seven involving Sacramento. Uh, excuse me. Well, yeah, two Sacramento at four Portland at, at seven. Let's go to five and back to your neck of the woods, Vinny. Like, yo, is Detroit basketball on the way back? Because I mean, this Jeremy Grant move is long time coming, but looks like a precursor to you mentioned it earlier, giving the bag to DeAndre Ayton. We'll see what they do with the fifth pick. Um, like Detroit basketball looking up, right, Vin? Yeah, and and the crazy thing is, there's more than one path for them to get good. Like like they made their their dynamite pick last year in K. Cunningham. Some would argue that they maybe they should have picked Evan Mobley, but you've got K. Cunningham, and nobody's apologizing for that. So now you don't need to swing for a home run necessarily in the draft here. But if you get Jay Ivey next to K. Cunningham, you got a scorer, a distributor. And now a shooter in your backcourt between those two guys, and you've got fifty some million dollars to go out and spend, and you don't have to go and spend it on, you know, flawed players. Like I really like DeAndre Ayton. I just think he got might have got a little bit screwed over. Maybe some there's a little bit of maturity things going on there in Phoenix. But Chris Paul teams always seem to have something that goes wrong. He's like pig pen. If you ever notice that, it ain't never you, but it's always a scent of something bad around. That's harsh. You. So, that's hard. Is it, is Chris it, Paul ain't dirty and funky. Chris Paul ain't don't need a bath. Like I mean, you know, Chris Paul win everywhere he goes. Pink pen is funky. Like don't know about. I know, but it's a it's an extreme one. 
That's an extreme okay, one. Okay, okay. You know what you're like. You know what? How about this? Kyrie, Kyrie is pig pen. Okay? That's not Chris Paul. I'll, I'll, I'll I didn't change, mean replace the player. You I'll said, change my I'm mind. I'm pig pen. I will change I'm at the my pig mind. pen part. Uh, apologies to Chris Paul. All right? But with what happened in Phoenix last year, if DeAndre Ayton is not going to get the max from them, and I'm the Detroit Pistons, you damn right I'm going to go get him. A big that can play with his back to the basket. He can defend in space. He can defend at the rim. Go look at his win shares before Chris Paul got there. I think he is a all-star level player that basically turns them into a team that you got to pay attention to next year. Kurt, Detroit on the precipice or something? Yeah, no, I think he's right. And by the way, I doubt IDV falls to them only because so many people love him that explosive first step that somebody's going to step them in at four. But let's say you get, you know, Keegan Murray. Keegan that guy Murray, can yeah. plug in and play, man. Plug in and play tomorrow, right? And give you value, give you some of those points, give you a little bit of defense, give you everything. I just like, I'm with me. I like the way this team is being put together. Um, and they're going to learn some fundamentals under Dwayne Casey, even if this ends up being a, a Mark Jackson. He's not the, the guy that's there when they're reaching their peak someday. I really like the way this team is, is this roster is put together. I think you could really, the Cunningham, I know Aiton doesn't want to run a lot of pick and roll stuff necessarily, but you can certainly see him up there setting some big picks, rolling to the rim, getting them getting some balls down low too. I look, it's a good roster. They've got some filling out to do, but, uh, and some growth to do, but I, Vinny's close to a really good team right now. All right. Let's, uh, I haven't been able to say that in a long time. Just want you to know that. It feels good. Feel, it feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> someone, someone called me basketball Kardashian a long time ago and said, "Whenever I show up, the team goes to you know what." <laughs> oh, maybe I you're really saying they were wrong. Maybe your pick pen yeah. is weird. I don't. <laughs> bruh, I mean, you know, bruh. They, they already, you know, where you go. So anyway, uh, some veteran guys. <laughs> Yo, can y'all can y'all each each clarify what's going on here? Bradley Beal seemed confused. Vinny, what's up with Bradley Bradley Beal? You really opting out? And is he opting out just for a raise? Are you trying to raise up? Talking about Damian Lillard, everybody been trying to get Bradley Beal up out of DC. He seems quite content, uh, you know, making a lot of money, being the man, and not doing anything with it. No judgment, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, what's the deal with uh, with Bradley Beal? I don't know if he's opting out, but I like your synopsis. Like we assume that players want to win at all costs. When I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Some guys are comfortable with their organizations. They're comfortable in the cities that they live in. They're comfortable, comfortable being the guy. They're, hey, look, look, because put, put it like this. If you wind up going somewhere that nobody else wants you, right? Like, some people just want to be wanted in the meantime. If he goes to Miami, if he goes anywhere else, is he going to be the guy that you know, that's not just, you know, the guy that's in charge. Like, because Jimmy Butler's in charge there, or rather, Pat Riley's in charge there. Like, some people value that more than anything else. And my question is, Bradley Beal is now, what, entering year 12, entering year 11, and he's had injury problems throughout his career. Are you sure you want to bank on that if you're a contender and pay him along the way? If I've got designs on getting to the finals, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm willing to make that trade if he becomes available. If I'm one of those, oh, you know, wow. top three or four teams. Oh wow, you said a mouthful there, Kurt. Uh, first off, I love that he tweeted like the "what I might not opt out" thing because he's going to opt out. He's going to, you know, why? That two hundred forty-six million dollar max the Wizards give him travels. If he doesn't, he will take the bag. He will stay in town, and then in a couple of years. If he wants to go to Miami or wherever else, that massive contract gets to travel with him. Like I, I just can't see him turning down that money. Plus, I, I, I agree. I think that he's one of those guys who wants to try to win where he is. And in the wake of not only Steph but you know, Giannis and some other guys, like when with the team they stuck with, I think there's there's a sense among some players like, hey, I gotta really give this a shot. I gotta really see if this is, can work and not just jump ship at the first chance I get. Well, and uh, some people don't really know better, player. to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Really good player. Also, excellent AAU coach. Just want to say that as well. Put that out there. Um, I, we just threw a headline up about the Lakers. We didn't even get you yesterday, Kurt. We were going through, uh, you know, 
Steph Curry top 10 stuff. We need to get you your commentary on on Kyrie Irving. It's like, you know, we talked Vinny, we talked about this earlier, just rooting for chaos, just being an agent of chaos, introducing yeah. a little anarchy, you know, like I, I I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of a Kyrie LeBron reunion. I know it's a long shot. I know there's a lot of moving parts. Lakers, you know, don't seem to have a lot of paths to acquiring a Kyrie Irving. Uh, but this partnership here, I ain't gonna say it's run its course, but I'm not as interested in seeing whether Durant and Kyrie can get the nets over the hump as I am seeing LeBron and Kyrie bury the hatchet, let bygones be bygones, and get that old thing back. How you feel about that song, Vinny? H-Town knocking the boots. Y'all right with that one? Getting that old thing back? Or you got judge? Or you go, oh, you don't like that same? You don't like Jagged Edge? Anyway, I digress. Uh, I got no <laughs> Kurt, problems with that song, brother. Zero. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good. Uh, Kurt, do you, do you have a problem with how anybody is playing this Kyrie Irving drama in Brooklyn? Whether that's the Nets, whether that's Kyrie, uh, leaks, uh, you know, leverage yeah. through the press, whatever. What do you think? In, nah, it's a game of chicken. It's what's fun about this is Vinny's probably had the same experience. If you talk to anyone in the league about this, start with, look, they'll probably work it out. The logical thing to do is they both need each other. You know, they both need each other more than they need anyone else. The Nets can pay the most. They'll figure something out. And then they stop for a second and go, yeah, but it's three. Like, everybody is go. unsure. You said he logical. Is, everybody that's what is I was so unsure of what he's going to do next <laughs> that they're like, like, if you were like, yeah, he might play for the Lakers for $6 million. Yeah. Like, like nobody's willing to rule that out because it's Kyrie, which is which is part of the fun of it. Like you said, it's just chaos. He is so wildly unpredictable that – and for the Lakers, do you have a better option? Like, I'd be recruiting this hard because you're not getting – you're not getting dramatically we're contenders again better without Kyrie. I don't yeah. – I, I don't see another path. I don't think they're getting contenders be better with Kyrie Irving. Oh, I want Kyrie and Russ to share the ball. Man. Wait, wait, better or contender? I, I mean, are they a contender in the West? Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, healthy. They're definitely better. Listen, man. If you got, so, somebody, I know they got wait, flaws. Wait, hold on, hold on. So, somebody what? tell me that this man gonna show up to work. Why are we just acting like he's just <laughs> like like he got perfect attendance and citizenship? No, like I, I didn't say I was betting on it. I didn't say I was betting on it. I didn't say I was going to stake my reputation on Kyrie Irving or the Lakers for that matter, but I'm saying they improve. Kyrie's better than Russell Westbrook right now. Now the, other, what, now the latter does show up to work, but that ain't always a good thing. I would take Kyrie over Russell Westbrook right now. So it's a big if because Kyrie may not show up for one reason or another. Say it could be safe for Anthony Davis, mostly for health reasons. But if LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie played the majority of games with the right pieces around them, I think that is they're in the contender conversation. The Lakers are back in the contender conversation. So it's a huge if Vinny, but that's a, that's a contender with those three. That's a hell of an upgrade over Russell Westbrook. That's as close as the Lakers are going to get to. I mean, what is their other option? They don't have another path to it. Like they I, they've got to be all in on this and find a way because running it back with Westbrook, I don't think it's going to work, man. Like there are, there are other paths to start. Their only hope is these kind of desperation moves because they back themselves into a corner. Yeah. Y'all act, act like Kyrie Irving is going to turn down $39 million <laughs> when no, he's going to show up to work the same amount of times that if he making $6 million, <laughs> he might show up to work less for making $6 million and feel justified. If I'm making, Vinny, you know, 75% less, I'm going to show up 75% less. What you're saying is Kyrie may be crazy, but he ain't stupid. Is that what you're telling us? He, I ain't, I'm not calling him crazy because I've been told <laughs> that if you call someone crazy, that ascribes a certain value to them. Thank you, ex-girlfriends. But I will call <laughs> Kyrie a well-meaning but misguided athlete who does not know what the hell he's doing. Or maybe he does hey, know listen. what the hell he's doing, and he's just causing anarchy like the Joker. Maybe that's him. He might. I mean, some men just want to see the world burn. He might just decide, you know what? Y'all don't want to give me what I want. I'll go play with LeBron. I'll go contend for another ring. I'll go to he LA. Turning I don't down. care about He's money. Not I left the money last no year. Money. And Durant's coming with me, not to LA, but he's walking out that door with me. So maybe it's maybe it is just chaos. <laughs> um, one other one other name, and we talked about a couple of high profile guys. I mean, Murray, uh, Dejounte Murray, what triple double type guy in San Antonio? What's with this reports that San Antonio's looking to move him? Like. Why, Kurt? Why, why on earth would San Antonio be looking to move him? 
there's been talk look he is up in 2024 for a new contract and there's talk that they're not totally comfortable maxing him out which seems it's a lot 2022 they're thinking like hey maybe if we can find something now that they're asking for what was the quote the the quote john Morant package yeah good luck with that but you know the drew holiday look, package I, i'd be i yeah, yeah, i want holiday. I, oh, Drew Holiday. Yeah, I want yeah. I want a big package. I want all this stuff back. I don't know that they're going to get that. I think they're just asking around. Personally, I'd be building around him. But if they really know something and don't want to pay him in a couple of years, maybe they start looking now. Is John Collins really the better answer here, Vinny? I, here's my thing. I feel like Atlanta is in a spot where they overachieved. They came back down to earth and they feel like something must be done. And I don't know if something necessarily has to be done, but I feel like they've been hell-bent on, you know, we're going to trade John Collins and we're going to do something. I don't even know if that's yeah. the answer. I feel like that's activity for activity's sake. But DeJounte Murray strikes me as a dude that will be much more valuable on a really, really good team. Yeah. And by the way, hey, I, I love theoretically, I love the fix to Trey, right? Defense, give oh, you the yeah. second ball handler. Like, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful fit. I just... Oh. I don't know why. Oh, the, yeah. I don't know why I, the Spurs would do it. Exactly. I, I'm just. I'm just confused about the Spurs. Hey man, um, I'm not usually jealous of t-shirts. Yo, hook me up, Kurt. I like that t-shirt. Oh, that's a that's a uh, Rex Chapman. Oh, okay. It's a blocker charge. Yeah, his whole so blocker charge stuff. Thing. Yeah, so he, he sold them online for a while. I, I don't know if they're still there. It's, but you know, okay. yeah, I love the shirt. <laughs> All right, we love you, man. Thank you so much, Kurt. We appreciate. appreciate it. We'll talk you to you tomorrow. Guys. See how much chaos tonight we have to react to. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. You know, we got we got another guest coming in from the uh, Athletic, uh, another big time brother from ours, uh, Marcus Thompson, Golden State Warriors writer, or just uh, just just basically just the best writer in the country. Like let me just say this: the best columnist in the country. Like it's just bar none. His name on my phone is Bars. Cause I call him bars whenever I read and see his stuff. That's just that's that that's not flattery. That's just that's just that's just giving you flowers wow. when you deserve them. Mar- Marcus, you saw the how we came in. It's Black Music Month. Today's uh, entry is songs where you knew where where you knew where you were when the song came out. Like literally, when you first heard the song, Ooh. you knew exactly where you were. Do you have a song that Ooh. just hits you in the memory bank like that? I'll tell you mine. I'll give you some yeah, time to think about sec- it. Give I'll us a second. Yeah, give us a second. Yeah. Senior year in high school, Jay-Z's Blueprint came out. Gathered from this uh, record store called uh, Sounds of the City. I think it might have been uh, started with some ill-gotten funds, but we're going let to that, let that ride. <laughs> Heard You Don't Know. Heard that beat mm. drop. Lost my mind in my best friend's car. He was driving his mama's Volkswagen Passat at the time. And we literally lost our mm. ever loving minds that day. Mm. That's that's the number one thing that I remember. What about you, Bars? Man, so this one is gonna be obvious just because you know I'm a, I'm a dude from okay. the Bay. But I was we were in Atlanta. I was in college at Clark Atlanta, and we walked to West End to the music store. That's back when you had to go to the music store to get the CD. Cause this was like 90, right. this was 90, 95, 96. And yeah. all eyes on me had dropped. Ooh. And a bunch of us, a bunch Ooh. of us, like it was like 15 of us. We were waiting on this album. We got it. We told each other we would not listen until we were all together. And we, we were 15 deep in a room, people from all over the country, Nebraska, New York, Cali. And we listened to it. And, it. and the first thing that came through, on is Oh my God. I was done. There is no album that comes out harder than that one. There's no album that comes out harder than that one. 
Oh man, None. after waiting all that time for Pac, we Ooh, it took man. us a minute to get to the song. We just kept rewinding the intro. Like it was just like, <laughs> right. oh bro. Like we just kept rewinding the intro. One. It was like I'll, I'll never forget call. that. Mostly because we were so united, man. You know how it is in college. You worried about who got the best music and all that. It wasn't about right, me. Right. This was in the heat of the East Coast West Coast War too. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't none of that, man. We were like pockets out. We all about to listen, and it was a bunch yeah. of young black dudes from across the country listening to this hip hop. It, it was. It was beautiful. Is what it was. See, you're right, Vinny. Listen, he just wrote, look, he just wrote a whole column off the top of his head. He just, he just wrote a story. He just on hey, live television, wrote a story. I, I, I saw the intro, <laughs> and I was about to be. I saw the intro, and I was about to be real. You know, I was about to be in violation because I know Vinny's gonna get me. But I was gonna say the the cover that outdid the original, Lauryn yeah. Hill killing me softly. I, I'm taking that. You over. know, that's not I a bad. Hey, Vinny's face. Look I, at Vinny's face. I respect face. it. I respect it. I respect it. Listen, Roberta. We all love Roberta. Vinny, we all love Roberta. But 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 Lauren, like, is especially given people for people our age. I think Lou, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I got here's my thing. Did she show up to her recording session on time? Did they have to come get her? <laughs> like, that's, that's my only question. I think we she know Lord Hill that, is the original. Lord Hill is the original Kyrie Irving. Lord, Kyrie yes. Irving is the Lord Hill of the NBA. <laughs> I play hey, when I was such a great call. That's such a great call. She is. She is definitely the Kyrie Irving of music. <laughs> so, Let me get y'all so, mind. See, it's, it's it's hard for me though because it's like it's almost like trying to remember like when I first met either one of y'all when I first became became friends. With y'all. I I don't right, remember. Yeah. So like picking out a song, it's like wait, for, it's, and I'm getting old too. I barely remember, you know, this morning. But the one that did come to mind, because once you say going back to college, Marcus, I was like, all right, let me take it back to kind of like high school. So in New Orleans, obviously, and and, and nationally, but definitely in New Orleans. You mentioned Clark Atlanta around the same time. Outcast, Goody oh, yeah. Mob. I remember being mm, on yes. this bus trip. You know, we took this bus trip. This this fellowship took a trip with we Tuskegee, and me and the boy, me and the fellows was on this bus bumping soul food. When Goody Mom first came out, Bruh, and I heard yes. Thought Process, and not just that, I could still rap Goody Bag. CeeLo's verse on Goody Bag, I could rap that right now. First, we was Talk in the back of the bus, blown, mind blown the first time we heard Goody Mob album, Soul Food. So I would say Thought Process off of Soul Food slash Goody Bag off of Soul Food. This would have been what? Was this 96? 95, I think. 95, 96? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Thought Process, to believe it or not, this is shows you my lack of, you know, I was we're so in the hood, we don't know things. That's when I found out there's no 13th floor on the elevator. Because Andre Word. says I got off at the 13th floor. <laughs> and they told me that it wasn't one. They said it's good from 12 to 14. I was like, what's he talking about? And I, that was, I never heard of that before. But Andre taught me that. And then you start going to the hotels, you see it. I didn't know that was a thing until Thought Process taught me that. That's like you. I felt awakened. Off at the thirteenth floor, but they told me that they wasn't <laughs> one. I said it's good for twelfth or fourteenth. So listen, before we're gonna take a break in a second, but since we're talking about music, I need. I don't know if you and Vinny Marcus have had this conversation, but I'm sick and tired of Vinny disparaging the classic that is Jagged Edges. Let's get married. Do you object? Pun intended. To somebody saying we ain't getting no, meet me at the altar in your white dress. We ain't getting no young. We might as hey. well do it. I find that to be practically romantic, if I may say so. Mike, I love you to death. There is nothing Damn less it. romantic <laughs> than saying. Thank you. Thank you. We can I'm, all. I'm like, thank you. What am I missing? We what am I? That's not what he said. Look, I've been in the streets. You've been in the streets, and look, we both end up coming. We we might as well just go ahead and do it. The club is dry. I mean that, that that's le- you you can't get less romantic than that. I believe I'm right. That's with what I'm saying. Roll the music, Gary. God damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I, I'm, 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 I'm very practical. I'm very practical. That, hey, he didn't even plan like, a wedding. He didn't even plan a wedding. He was just like, yo, meet me at the altar. Like, like in, they were going to get something. In your white dress, not the white dress. Your white dress, your, as in any white you dress. Two, what you describe, what you describe, the missing is context. 
<laughs> it's about the relationship that you in. Ain't no blueprint. Ain't no ain't no manual for how all of us should ask to get married. That was a commentary on where they were at that Dude, point in their relationship. And he, he knew what even, to say to his woman. He didn't even ask though. It wasn't like, yo, she, this moment she waited for. He was just like, man, let's just let's just go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Fine, like, like we've been, we been fine, talking Gina. about it. I will yeah. marry you. Are let's, you happy now? Married. Damn. Absolutely, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Back here with Marcus Thompson from The Athletic, the Golden State Warriors. We're still in finals mode. I don't know about you, Marcus. I'm still wearing the NBA finals on me right now. I know the draft is tonight. I cannot wash the finals off of me quite yet in the fact that the Warriors managed to pull this off without actually going all in, despite, you know, everything else, not leveraging anything. And for those who don't know, Marcus Thompson has written a couple of books on the Golden State Warriors. He's written on Stephen Curry. He's written on... Uh, Kevin Durant during the Kevin Durant era. Tell me this, Marcus, based off of what you know and what you think and what you believe, how much did this title mean to Stephen Curry? I mean, that dude went ugly cry with, with, with seconds left on the clock. That's all you needed to know, right? That that was that was like a that was like a Viola Davis level cry right there. That wasn't no little, you know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't even hide his face. You know, Jordan at least laid down on the ground with his face, you know? <laughs> that, you, you could tell as much as Steph, like, thought they could get there and believed and, like, put in the work. Uh, you could tell, A, how hard it was, and B, like, that there was a part of them that didn't know that it would happen, especially now, right? Like, there, there's, there's one thing to think you can, and there's another thing to do it. And I do think there's something uniquely special about climbing a mountaintop again, right? Like the first time I, I think was special. And I think that's the the other one that kind of is on par with this one. I think the KD ones are like, yeah, we were supposed to win, but they weren't supposed to win the first one. They, they got knocked all the way down and, you know, spent two years in the wilderness before getting back to the top. You could tell like that hit different. Steve Kerr, Draymond, like all of it hit way different than the first time. And I remember the first one. That was more like jubilation. This one was more, I can't believe we did it. Like, yo, we, we actually are legends. Look at that. You know, you know, Marcus, the, the most impressive thing to me, especially because we're now in Kyrie's world, right? Like we're in the world of Kyrie's nonsense. And the fact that Kyrie refuses to actually invest into anyone besides himself, that makes me think about Steph in a way that Steph is is always investing in the organization. He's always investing, like, not just showing up to work. Because some people say, you know what, you pay me to work, I show up to work, I go home. It seems like he wears this organization on him. That's fatiguing to me. That takes a lot of extra energy. <laughs> right. That takes a lot of, I ain't got to do this, I got my rings. Where does he get that consistent ability to invest from when we see not a lot of guys are willing to do that. That's funny you say that. I'm working on a piece about this whole philosophy and that's approach. Why, that's but, why I call you bars. That's why I call you bars. Right. It's, it's, I, I think we don't appreciate it yet, and I think we will. Like, his super unique approach. Uh, I mean, there's been – he's literally heard his own coach say Kevin Durant was better than him, right? Like, on top of everything else, right? He's been to a parade where they forgot his name. I mean, think about, like, at every turn. I remember in 20, uh, what was it, 14, they fired Mike Jackson after he's begging them not to, right? So at, at all these various turns, Steph could be like, you know what, I'm out. And, you know, Charlotte's always waiting, right? Like, he could always go to Charlotte. I mean, he could go anywhere, but that would be an easy one. But for some reason, there's something about Steph that just always finds a center, like, no matter what, 
it, it relatively fast, he just remembers why he's doing all this. Like he knows how to get back to being Dale's son. You know what I'm saying? To being the dude who yeah. understands that he's part of this unique fraternity, that this is all like a blessing and it doesn't make any sense to waste time on this other stuff. Like he'll, he'll think it right. He'll feel it, but he just knows how to get back and remember what it's all about. Even when I, you yeah. know, part of my story that I'm writing about, like, that he wanted Mark Jackson, and then Steve Kerr comes in. No, nobody knows Steve Kerr. Like he was a TNT broadcaster, and they go, they go hang yeah. out, and have lunch, and he's immediately like, "Well, let's see what Steve's talking about." Where you? How many NBA players are like, "You fire my guy, we got problems." Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So right. he just Crazy. always, <laughs> yeah. he always gets to the point where it's like, "All right, what am I about? Who am I? And what matters to me?" And in the end, he still. Dale's son, a, a product. He watched the NBA in the nineties. He still appreciates all of it, right? It's still all is hella cool to him that he's an NBA player. I don't think he loses that. Hmm. As grounded as they come. So listen, you mentioned Kevin Durant a second ago. Um, I'm Marcus. I'm not gonna put you through the top ten exercise. We did that yesterday because my only issue with Steph as top ten is not Steph. It's taking somebody out of the top ten. It's like you know, yeah, yeah. It's only but ten, right? But I don't. Not, I don't want to go there. I want to hone in specifically on the idea that Steph um, for more people than when he only only quote unquote had three rings and two MVPs has now passed Kevin Durant and what fascinates me is the revisionist history. So think about this. This is how we do things. Vinny, I know you love this. I know you love to observe in NBA conversations, right? And how you know how they could just stand and be elevated. How stupid it is. Go ahead. That's yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to say, except shorter and sweeper. So mean, but Vinny. Once, but once upon a time, <laughs> the acquisition of Kevin Durant was used to disparage the legacy of Steph Curry. And now, Steph Curry winning a title post-Kevin Durant is like, oh, he didn't pass Durant. Uh, he makes players better in a way that Kevin Durant does not. I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, are we sure? I, I would say if he makes players better, it's in a different way than Kevin Durant does. But also what people forget about the make players better part is who are the players that you're making better because Kevin Durant joined Golden State took them to a different level and we saw last year. There's only so much that even Steph Curry can do when he doesn't have a, a capable supporting cast that gels around him. So I, I'm saying a lot. My point is like where do you come down on just the narrative shifting, if I could, you know, land this plane, the narrative shifting around the legacies of both Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, which feel like they're forever intertwined. Well, first off, the idea that Kevin Durant doesn't make players around him better is just ridiculous. I mean, come on. I remember him playing with Roberson. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Kevin Durant is uniquely great on his own. I, I really, I really believe, and this was true before, and it's even more so true now. It's just a matter of preference. What do you like? That's what it's all about. Yeah. What do you like? Pick one. Both yeah. of them are great. What do you like? Do you like the guy who operates from a position of humility, who plays off the ball, who, you know, deals with this style, who shoots these crazy threes? Or do you like a dude who can singularly get whatever he wants on the court, who's great right. on or off the ball, and who plays defense? And, like, and a superior really defender. A choice. Yes. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's really, it's really a choice. It, it, it's right. really a choice. One thing I do think, though, like Steph is just a proven leader. Like his style works. Yeah. People want to play with him. People thrive mm -hmm. around him. And that they is like Magic them. Johnson level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's Magic Johnson level. Like to me, mm -hmm. we haven't seen something mm -hmm. like this. It's Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson, where well, just how a dude is yeah. kind of or everything orbits around how he operates. Well, but and it, but it me, ties into your story. It ties into your story about everything that he's put up with or every punch that he's yes. rolled with in Golden State, it helps Steph that he stayed in Golden State. Who knows what Durant's legacy would be had he stayed in Oklahoma City stayed, and yeah. not joined Golden State, right? Who knows be what it would be? We would, we would be clowning Kevin Durant. A for you don't think he'd ever won? Well, no, no, but I'm saying, but you don't think he'd ever won? Ever? You don't but think he'd ever won? Is one enough you don't for win with Russell. You don't win with Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. Not even Russell in his okay, prime. But, but but no, but, but setting aside okay, but setting aside the particulars, I guess my point is he compromised his credibility in some people's eyes when he went to Golden State. 
Then he goes to Brooklyn. Had he stayed in Golden State for crying out loud, it may be a different conversation. You know what I mean? Like instead of it being the, the fact that he left Golden State and they won without him yeah. being used to not the Kevin problem Durant, is you know? we're having a discussion about something that's literally live and moving and unfolding and we're mm -hmm, making mm -hmm. dramatic conclusions on moving targets like that's right, really and, and the truth is the truth is really what changed Steph Curry's whole story is not Steph Curry you know what it was it was the Boston Celtics because they decided we're not going to double him. <laughs> we're going to play drop coverage. And he's gonna, if, if they double him, if they if they play him like like Nick Nurse would have, he wouldn't have dropped yeah. 43. It'll be like 28. It'll be like seven assists. Somebody else would have balled because Steph's going to do what it takes to win. And people would have said, why is it Steph finals MVP? Why can't he dominate the finals? Hey, listen, it, before it, it we let you go, man. basically made Steph flip, right? Because he said, <laughs> you, you know go. what? We're not doing that. <laughs> you get yours. Hey, before we let you go, man, we got about a minute left. Uh, a year ago, they were drafting uh, John Kaminga and uh, Moses Moody. The year before that, they were adding James Wyden. Wyden with the second overall pick. Much different feeling around this draft for the Warriors. Oh, yeah. How are the Warriors, how is Dub Nation watching tonight's draft just to bring this show full circle? Drunk. Drunk. <laughs> Y'all wow. are incredible. Oh, my God. Y'all are incredible. Facts, Dude. though, right? They're, they're, just, they're drunk. Oh, my God. And they they are so stressed, right? They, the, whoever they draft is like, yo, man, be ready when it's time for Kaminga to take over. Otherwise, have a seat, <laughs> chill, the still stuff during the Clay show. But yeah, they for sure lit, no question about it. Still, <laughs> boy, y'all y'all two, man, golly, y'all are. Hey, that, hey, that's my Jordan, brother. Forget Jordan you know Pippen. What I'm saying? <laughs> forget Jordan Pippen. Forget Kyrie and LeBron. Like y'all, y'all just both hey, put up forty. We call the man Bars, man. man. <laughs> y'all ain't getting no younger y'all might as well do it y'all too <laughs> that's facts huh? Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean? it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, Vin, so it's me and you back here tomorrow reacting to the NBA draft. Give me a wild prediction. I know you hiding something. I know you got something in that notebook. Somebody texted you something. Give me a wild prediction for tonight that we're going to be talking about tomorrow. The New York Knicks make a trade. That's what I think. And okay. whoever we bring on tomorrow will have the same take that I have about that stupid ass song. Meet me at the altar in your white dress. Yeah, I might have to. I might have to stand down on that. I might have to just go ahead and concede that one. Quit while you <laughs> quit while you behind. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.